We're in our last week of studying spiritual gifts. If you've been with us, we've been doing this for four weeks now. Um, the definition of spiritual gifts we've been working with is this. It's abilities both natural and supernatural that the Spirit uses in us for His glory and effective gospel ministry. Every single week, somebody has said, Troy, I don't think I have a gift. And <laughs> please, you're, you're, you're missing it. If that's you, you're missing the point. The point is not that you have to fit in those 23 gifts listed. That's not the point of, of Paul's lists. Those are just merely illustrations of ways that people are used. And we can be used in myriads of different ways. Um, so, for instance, you don't see anywhere on that um, list up there, steel guitar player. But Connor squarely leads us to worship through the steel guitar. So, so don't get tripped up. The whole point is just seeing that God uses us in various ways. Nonetheless, we are covering the 23 that are specifically listed. Uh, so we've not covered leadership, mercy, marriage, and celibacy, which we will cover today. Let's jump straight in, the gift of leadership. Some of you guys have this gift. This is the gift that requires more time. And focus, I would argue, than most of the gifts. Um, and it's a gift that everybody wants until they get it. It's the gift that everybody wants to lob opinions and voices, but nobody wants to sit in the chair of decision-making every single day. And so this is this gift that some people have. Uh, we've been covering them with dangers and beauty, so let's keep that going. What's the danger if you have the gift of leadership? What's the dangers of those? Well... There can be a slippery slope of pride uh, for sure and ownership if you have this gift, right? So, so the, you're constantly having to make decisions so it feels like, okay, well, maybe I'm the man or maybe I'm the woman, right? So this could be a, a, an issue here. Um, knowing all the private details of any one given thing can wreak havoc on emotional life in public. So if you know everything going on behind the details, as leaders tend to do... Um, then a lot of times when you walk outside from behind the curtain, you see people through various lenses differently, don't you? Because you know all of the details. That could be one of the slippery slopes. Another danger of this gift is trying to juggle personal life with the calling becomes an impossible weight. You feel pulled. I know God has called me to lead in this certain realm, and so you give your life away to that. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh yeah, I forgot, <laughs> I also have a family that is my primary responsibility. And so you f may feel that tension, that can be a danger there. And there are reliance upon wit and skills rather than biblical instruction. <clears throat> this one I see more than anything, or I would argue happens more than anything with this spiritual gift. Uh, your greatest giftedness and your ability to lead also becomes your greatest nemesis, meaning that you depend on your own ability rather than what is the Lord calling me to do in any given certain situation. Uh, so instead of pleading, Lord, what am I supposed to do? The person with this gift can danger can be, well, I already know what to do, right? And so that can be the danger of that gift. Now let's look at the beauty of this gift. The beauty of this gift is these people sacrifice personal comfort to attend and care to the whole. Consistently, they give their life away in many various forms. Um, so, so, for instance, there were some people this past Tuesday, Eccles Middle School used this facility... Uh, to do a banquet. And in this banquet, there were a ton of smelly teenagers um, and, and their parents, and it was, it was flooded from wall to wall. There were people everywhere. 
Well, there were some people who gave their life away, who left their family and gave their life away to take these chairs out, put tables in, decorate, pull off the event for the school, then everybody leaves, then they vacuum the floor. Y'all have freshly steamed carpet, by the way, that your feet lay on today. Rub it with your feet real good. You may even feel some of the soap residue left over. They steam clean the carpet. Uh, after that, they put all the stuff back up. It, it's, they gave their life away. That's the beauty of this gift. Is There are some people who are called to just consistently push the ball down the court. Uh, so this is what these people do. Another beauty of this is that discipleship naturally occurs when one is seeking the Lord consistently. So leaders in the right state are called to go, God, what do you want me to do? And in doing that consistently, naturally discipleship occurs between them and the Lord. Number three, consistent faces and consistent focus provide security and stability. That's the beauty of this gift. These people provide that. You know that leaders are going to lead. That's why God calls them to lead. And then number four, ability to guide the whole towards common goal, uh, vision, and mission. Within the church body, it becomes very quickly apparent who is leaders and who has just a lot of ideas by one, well, two key differences. Um, One, people with a lot of ideas um, who pull off nothing certainly are not leaders. Um, But number two, the people who come up and go, hey, I got a question. We're doing A, B, C, and D, but how is A, B, and C, and D pushing us towards the gospel? That, you know, is, a, is somebody that the Lord has called in leadership. So this is the gift of leadership. People are God's plan A, and there is no plan B, never has been a plan B. And so if you have this gift, boil it down, the most simplest form, sing it with me. Hide it under a bushel. Oh, come on, y'all know this song. Taking it all the way back to VBS circa 1982, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. This is what this gift is. Uh, so now let's look, flip on over. We don't have much more time. And the gift of mercy. The gift of mercy is the gift that feels good 100% of the time. If you have this gift, people love to be around you. <clears throat> I have not talked about any of the gifts that I think are my gifts as we've gone through all 22 of them, but I will say to you this right here. This gift right here, I squarely do not have. (laughs) This is one of those gifts that if you have it, you may not know that you have it, but if you don't have it, you know that you don't have this gift. Can I get an amen from the... Okay. Nobody wants to admit, right? This... This is this gift that you just make people feel good. And let's kind of look at this. The dangers, the dangers of this gift. Exploitation, manipulation, steamroll you. If you have this gift, you probably at the end of the day go, I just feel like I'm getting used over and over and over. And it could be because you are getting used over and over and over. It just goes along with this gift. Danger also is seeing the world with rose-colored glasses may be gracious, but it's not always truthful. So the world really is beautiful to you. Like you really see it as beautiful and you wonder why everybody keeps saying it's not as beautiful as you think it is. Right? But this is the danger. And then also the internal pull leads you to acts of service rather than the compassion that's supposed to fit with it. Consistently throughout scripture is that God doesn't look at the outward appearance but he looks at what? 
the heart. He looks at the inside. He looks at the heart. And so people with this gift, because they're compelled to keep doing things, they'll do things sometimes, but their heart isn't in it. They're just fulfilling this calling to mercy, if you will, that lacks compassion. So that's the dangers. Now, let's look at the beauties of this gift. The beauties of this gift, one, is it's just super cool and fun, and I love hanging out with all of y'all that have this gift because you make us feel good. Um, But the beauty also is this. These people... Uh, for sympathy and empathy erupt in unstoppable expressions of love. If you have this gift, you are a goer and a doer and a beer. It, it compels you. Your heart compels you to action, and the Lord uses that. Number two, needs are met. Suffering is relieved. Loneliness is addressed. Generosity is found. The Lord uses you to warm the hearts and encourage believers on and spur them for further growth in ministry. And then number three, since mercy demands action and not just feelings, these people find themselves in prime moments multiple times a day to share the gospel. The gospel is best received. I'll argue I'm, I'm, I'm not going off of the theology that's solid here, okay? The Lord saves those whom he saves. That just is what it is. But mercy is the means by which a lot of times when you're merciful, it opens the door to gospel conversations, doesn't it? When a need is met or generosity is felt or loneliness is covered, the Lord, people are just more receptive, it seems, in those times. Praise the Lord for your gift in that way. So that's the gift of mercy. The one everybody has been waiting on, the gift of celibacy. I know y'all have been waiting for this one. You've been anxious for this one, right? So let's just look at it. It's the gift that only a select few truly understand and value. I'm going to read two verses of Scripture. And the reason I'm going to read these verses is because there's a big debate over whether celibacy and marriage is actually a gift or not, or a calling or not. I'm going to argue it is a gift because I believe Scripture says it's a gift. So let's see if that holds true. In Matthew chapter 19, 9 through 12, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples. It's the famous um, uh, clause that some will use for uh, the exception clause for divorce or whatever. That's not what we're going to look at, but this is where it's found. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. But the disciples said to him, if, if such is the case with man, uh, with his wife, it's better not to marry. And then he said to them... Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is what? Given seems to be the word. Now let's look at the rest. For there are eunuchs who've been so by birth, and there are eunuchs who've been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who've made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who's able to what? Say it. Receive this receive it. So it sounds like that's a gift. If we're receiving something, it sounds like it's a gift, right? Now let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It's kind of the same thing where Paul says this. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as myself am. That being his singleness. He's speaking about his singleness in this passage. I wish that everybody was single like me. But each has his what? His own gift 
And that's why I would, I would argue that it is a spiritual gift, right? Um, from God. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another kind, which we'll get to in just a second. So it sounds like this gift is, a, is, is truly a gift. Now let's look at the dangers of this gift and then the beauties of this gift. The dangers of celibacy or the gift of celibacy is the desire to be married is not sinful. And people with this gift can often buy into, well, if if you desire to be married, then that's somewhat lesser and, and maybe even sinful. And the flip side of that, the danger can also be the desire to be single is not more righteous. And there are a lot of times people with this gift who will promote singleness as somehow more righteous. And I think that's a danger. Another danger of this is wrestling with sexual desires and temptations all your life is no cakewalk, right? We just feel like, okay, well, everybody who has this gift, they never have any natural desires. Well, that's just absurd. And so this is a danger that they have to wrestle with, leading to constantly wasted time battling this struggle that they have. Number three, overcoming cultural's erroneous notion that singleness is JV and marriage is varsity. We need to heed this warning as well. But these people constantly feel this weight of the world saying, you're not a whole person until you get married. That is garbage. So I want to say that if there's somebody in here who feels this call, okay? Because a lot of times we walk around, and I I better get back over here. We're never going to finish these spiritual gifts. So let me just go ahead and get here, all right? Um, it, It really is. And let's be careful, married people, feeling like, okay, well, I'm the varsity because I've made it. That's garbage. There is no standard in Scripture of JV versus varsity, And then also, I would say to single people, the exact same thing. Do not feel lesser, like you're on the junior varsity, right? Because God has you in this position. I don't think anybody in this room, and I will keep going after I say this, would walk up to the Apostle Paul and go, "Uh, how does it feel to be on that JV team? Right? Anybody feel man enough to do that or woman enough to do that to the Apostle Paul? No. So let's be careful about that. And then number four, society daily defines and defends sexual pleasure as what it means uh, to be human. Um, Okay, so so if I don't have this standard or meet this standard, then I'm not a human. And that is garbage as well. One day, sex, marriage will be no more. No more. You remember when Jesus was approached and said, Okay, this person had this wife and this husband. Who will they be married to in the end? Y'all remember this? And Jesus said, in eternity, you're not married nor given in marriage, right? So one day all of that will end and we will know life more full than we have ever known it before. Because Christ will be our satisfaction. And so this can be a danger that these people have to battle with as well. Battling society saying, because you're not this, you're not a full person, right? Now the beauty. Let's look at the beauty of the gift of celibacy. And man, it is an awesome, awesome beauty. It's so awesome that there's a lot of married people in this room that's like, man, I really wish I was <laughs> freed to do more things, okay? We'll just kind of leave it at that. The beauty is this, man, I do believe there's an exclusive blessing and presence from the Lord for people with this calling specifically. They know the Lord. 
more intimately in a way that married people don't get to experience. That's, I just believe that's true. Uh, number two, the ability to give their life away to ministering to others is unparalleled. They don't have this constant pressure that they always have to be with this person or with focused on these people. This is a gift. Another beauty is there's tremendous joy and freedom that comes to those who mature in this gift. It's getting to the level of maturity that's hard for these people. Somebody uh, that I would uh, argue, and, and she would say she doesn't have this gift, and I understand we've, we've had great conversations about it, but we did our marriage conference and our singles conference simultaneously a couple of months ago. It was awesome. Awesome. And um, Bill Elliff came in from Arkansas and led the marriage, and then Nisha Smelly from Capstone came in and led the singles. And in, our com- in my conversation with Nisha, I was like, hey, Nisha, okay, when you come in, what do you want to talk about? And here's what she said. She said, Troy, now listen to me. She said, when I come and talk to the singles, it's not going to be that just hold out hope and, and be ready. She says, I don't have that. She said, I'm perfectly happy with where the Lord has me. I'm perfectly free to do ministry. And, and I said, Nisha, sh- that's what we want you to say. <laughs> Because that's what Scripture says, right? And so these people mature and have this freedom unparalleled. And then number four, there's undistracted allegiance. And and I believe that through this, uh, they're often able to produce far more spiritual children than people who produce biological children. One day in eternity, I just believe this. As we enter into the kingdom of heaven, we'll see that old Bob over here. Bob had three kids, and he did a great job of which... Married with kids, none of us do a great job, and we all wrestle with that, but praise the Lord for his sovereignty, that he supersedes our dumbness, okay? Uh, Bob raised three kids, and by God's grace, they're, they're chasing after the Lord. And then Sarah standing over here, she had her 12 kids, and counting, right? And uh, they're chasing the Lord, and praise the Lord. And, but I think what's going to happen also is there's going to be a ton of single people who have 200 spiritual children that they were able to give their life away to because they weren't bound by the few that they had biologically. And I think that's a gift of these people. Um, And then finally, I would say, uh, with the gift of celibacy, I would just say this. Um, Man, the gift of freedom is, is something that I think is often unappreciated, by desiring so much to be married that they miss out on the present of what God's allowing them to do right now. So if you have this gift, chase after the Lord in the moment and watch what He does through your life. And then finally, number 23, the gift of marriage. I say this, um, when marriage is seen as a choice, it can become a task. But when marriage is seen as a gift... It becomes a tool of mission, and that's two totally different things. Let's look at this gift. I would point you right back to the passage that we said just before, because Paul said about marriage and singleness, now as a concession, not as a command, I say this, I wish that all were as myself, single, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of the other. So in this giftedness, he says this is a gift and this is also a gift. So let's look at the gift of marriage. It would be silly of me to say that there's only four dangers of marriage. 
when we all could stand up and list about 400,000 dangers in marriage, but let's just go with four of them, okay, for the sake of time. Number one, all of life can be consumed with the preoccupation in raising, satisfying, and keeping just my family as a good little family. And then at the end of life, you've realized you've, you've given all of your life to trying to hoard your family. When Scripture says that families were created to train up children in the way that they should go, that when they're old and they are released, given away, sent out, Psalmist says, shot like arrows, when they go, they know what to do. And that's the cost. So the danger can be, especially in America, that the point of my family is to keep a cozy little family and we have really good little Thanksgivings and Easter's and we... We eat deviled eggs like nobody's business. Any time to talk about deviled eggs is a great moment. Huddle them in and keep them safe, and we'll miss out on the point. That God has formed the family to be missional, to be sent out, and we'll waste our time. Another two danger is this. One human produces plenty of idols on our own, but man, multiple humans become a house full of idle factory makers, right? And so we're battling our own sinfulness. And then in family, if we're not careful, we'll get weighed down with everybody else's struggle as well. Um, again, it's not something you can do away with. It's just something that is what it is. And I think that can be one of the, the hard parts of marriage. Another danger is this, believing that marriage is designed to make us happy rather than holy. And that becomes a brutal letdown in marriage. If you walk into marriage thinking, oh, this is how I get happy, which is what Hollywood says and TV says and all these kind of things, you become disappointed right about day number one. <laughs> right? After about three hours into the marriage, you realize, oh, it's, it's not all giddy and it's hard. Wow, this is really, really hard. And so this is, I think, a danger. The point of marriage in Scripture is God gave us marriage to make us more conformed to the image of Christ. That's the point, and that's the only point. Now, there's some awesome, fun things that happen in marriage, but we hadn't made it to the beauties just yet. Number four, danger. Fault-finding is a natural byproduct of close proximity if one is not intentional otherwise. There's no need to illustrate that any further, Amen. Can I just get amen and we keep going? Um, Just for fun, how many of y'all thought that rooming with your your best friend in college was going to be a great idea until you roomed with your best friend in college and you realized, wow, I hate this person? (laughs) In good Christian love anyway, right? It's just, it is what it is. All right, so let's keep going. The beauty, man, the beauty of this gift, proper expression of human sexuality finally finds its place in an act of worship. And married couples, I want to say this and maybe just shock you so that you'll have some awkward conversations after church. Um, But sexuality and the expression of sex is just as much an act of worship as when we sing songs in here. And so it finds its proper place as an act of worship before the Lord. Um, And then number two, raising children in the gospel is the greatest personal assignment one can have. Oh my gosh. We get to raise children in the hope 
uh, and the forgiveness and the love of Christ. And that is our chief responsibility on this earth. It's not to become CEO. It's not to live on the lake, although that is a great, great, great goal and calling. Um, it, it's, it's not to whatever. It's to raise children in the likeness of the Lord. That's our calling. It's the greatest calling we got. And then number three, gospel partnership models Christ and the church as an expression of evangelism. Married couples, that's your whole point of marriage. That's it. <laughs> the point of marriage is that your home would look like Christ. Your marriage would look like Christ. Your cars would look like Christ. You get what I'm saying. Your use of ballpark time would look like Christ. You would model together. God doesn't send you off as a solo missionary, but gives you a helpmate to do mission with. That's the point of marriage. And then finally, uh, life with a true helpmate is second only uh, to the love understood at the cross. When you find that person that will love you unconditionally like Christ loves you, It's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing. And in that moment, we get a picture a little more of the unconditional love that Christ loves us with. And that is the beauty of marriage. Ladies and gentlemen, 23 spiritual gifts in four weeks, which is probably a disservice to the spiritual gifts. But I hope that this time has been good and profitable for you. Has it been good for you? You feel like it's, it's been good to help you think through some things? Good. All right, band, come on back up. Um, I will end this whole little mini-series with the way that we begin it. The, guys, remember, the point of this series was not that we walk away going, I fully understand all 23 spiritual gifts. That's, that wasn't the point. The point and the hope was that you would walk away each and every Sunday going, I may or may not know what my gift is, but by gosh, I need to be doing something for the glory of the Lord. I need to be using my energy and effort somehow, some way, uh, for the glory of the Lord. So, I pray it's done just that. You all have gifts. Um, You can reach someone that nobody else can reach, somewhere that nobody else can reach them by doing something that nobody else can do. It's almost as if you are fearfully and wonderfully made as you are. Would you stand up and let's pray and let's sing together. Hey, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the fact that as as Tyler will lead us in the benediction in just a second, that that you have equipped your church just the way you want it. And the fact that you let any of us be a part of gospel ministry is a grace. And so use us. Ignite a fire within us to to serve you more, to love you more, to, to, yes, to do things for you more. Not for our applause, but for your glory. So Christ in us, the hope of glory. Jesus... Uh, uh, Yeah, so, um, God, I pray in advance as we kick off next week the book of Colossians that um, this week that on our minds and hearts will be preparation and studying and and getting ready for what you want to say to us through that book. Um, Just as you have every book of the Bible, um, Lord Jesus, go before us and speak to us through the book of Colossians. Um, We love you. 
And it is in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.